We hear questions like these all the time. Can TSR injury law help me if I'm hurt by a defective product? Yes. How about by a dog bite? Yeah. If you've been injured, it's TSR time. Call us today for a free consultation at 612-TSR-TIME. It's the Go Gopher Podcast, episode number 15. I'm Mike Grimm, voice of the Golden Gophers, and welcome back to the podcast. We have a brand new Hall of Famer on the podcast today, and I think you'll enjoy our conversation. Minnesota sports legend Lindsey Whalen found out earlier this month she'll be inducted into the National Basketball Hall of Fame in September. She'll give us a behind-the-scenes tour of how she found out about it and how much she's looking forward to it. We'll talk to her about that and much, much more. It should be awesome. Our Go Gopher podcast is presented by alumni-owned Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're a business founder planning to exit your business, start by contacting Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. Sunbelt serves more businesses up to $5 million in revenue than anyone. And True North M&A serves companies with revenues up to $150 million. You can get a confidential, no-cost, no-obligation business valuation started today. Make the most of your life's work. Visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. Our podcast is also presented by State Farm Agent Tony Hoagland at champlininsurance.com. As always, our thanks to Tony Hoagland, a big Gopher fan. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast. You can do so and go back and listen to previous Go Gopher podcast. Last week, for example, we previewed View this week's NCAA Women's Gymnastics Championships with Gopher head coach Jenny Hansen and star gymnast Lexi Ramler. But when we come back, it'll be one of the top athletes to ever perform in the state of Minnesota, Lindsey Whalen. But first, a word from Tony. Hey, Gopher fans, this is your State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland. We are super excited to be part of the new Mike Grimm Show on Talk North. For the year of 2022, we will be donating $10 to the University of Minnesota Children's Masonics Hospital for everyone that calls our office or checks in with us online and mentions that they heard about us on Talk North and the Mike Grimm Show. We are really excited again that Mike came on board with Talk North. You can reach us at 763-421-4900. You can find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Again, 763-421-4900. Or find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Roll the boat, Sky Uma, go Gophers. It's episode number 15, the Go Gopher podcast with Mike Grimm. I wish it was episode 13. We have maybe the most famous number 13, you know, in Minnesota sports history with us. But, uh, you know, if it were two weeks ago, we'd be okay. But it's 15. Lindsey Whalen, brand new basketball Hall of Famer. Well, at least a, a pending inductee coming up in September. Lindsey, good to see you. Great to see you. And uh, thank you. Timing, you know, yeah, that's what it is. It's all good. I'll take 15. Yeah, 15, you, you take whatever you can get. So 15 is fine. 13 would have been better, but there was a lot going on at 13. That was about the time, I think, you got the phone call that uh, you were going to be a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, Massachusetts. Take me back to when you first, way back when you were named one of the finalists, what your emotions were at that point, and how much did uh, did you think about this leading up to the day in which you know, you're know you going to find out one way or the other? Yeah, so I think I... F- I found out partway through the season around, I want to say holiday time of year that it was, I was a finalist. They, they named 10 and 
and that it would come down to a certain amount of votes mm-hmm. and they'd let you know on whatever it was. Uh, it was, let me go back two weeks ago, two weeks ago today. So, so uh, the 28th of March is when they would tell you. And so I, I, yeah, I thought about it a little bit during that time. I thought about it some at the end of my career uh, coming from, I don't know, playing in Hutch and playing here at the U, but watching NBA, WNBA, all-time greats to be then even just considered into that class of that class of basketball history was uh, it was just to even think about that was really cool. And then I was like, oh, that would be a that would be quite the exclamation point on a career. And so I thought about it a little bit at the end of my career, and then. For sure, leading up to those days, I had a lot of time to sit and think because I had COVID. And (laughs) I found out on my last day of isolation that I was in the Hall of Fame. And they gave me a call. And so then I I called just a few people. You know, it's kind of one of those things that they say, well, it's Monday. It won't go out till Saturday. So keep it quiet. But then it's like, (laughs) how are you supposed to do that? So I called my parents and called called Ben. He was at work. Like I said, it it was a Monday. And... Next thing you know, you're in New Orleans and doing all that, celebrating with your classmates. So it's pretty, pretty big whirlwind. Yeah, it, it, it's it's amazing, and yeah, thank goodness you were able to come out of come out of a COVID. Where you did did you get sick? Was it or did you have symptoms? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was pretty sick. So we, yeah, it was it was right after we we finished in the WNIT. So we went out and played on that Sunday. And at South Dakota State. Yep. And that Tuesday, we had a couple year-end meetings, um, staff meeting Monday, and then some individual meetings Tuesday. And throughout Tuesday, I progressively was kind of just got a more of a cough, like a dry cough. And then I woke up. I woke up Wednesday with a fever, and was in aches. And I mean, I wasn't in rough shape, but it was it was for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of that week. It was it was. Not great. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I woke up like Saturday through the weekend and I was thinking like, oh man, yeah, I'm, I've, um, I've kind of bounced back here. So, so yeah, feel, feel really good, um, now. Uh, but, but it was kind of, yeah, two, three days there. It was kind of miserable, man. That's a heck of a year. You had an appendectomy and COVID all in the same season. Yeah. It's, uh, hard to really <laughs> kind of put those two things into where, I mean, I've had, that's kind of been my, my, my downtime. I've, I've either had an uh, surgery or I've, I've been struck by the, the, the pandemic. That's kind of been my, my downtime with, with just the way that, you know, things are with the transfer portal. And, you know, I don't know if we're going to get into that, get into, um, get into that, but it's, it's, it's kind of the way of our world now in, in college sports. And, and then just, yeah, was, uh, you know, took a couple of little medical hits this year, but still standing, still here, still ready to go. So yeah. feeling good. And, and you're on episode 15. So what, what can you say? We will talk about the transfer stuff in, in a bit, but I want to uh, really hit on this Hall of Fame. So you got the call. You had to keep it a secret. Uh, tell us how the call went. I mean, did they tell you to expect a call either way or only if yeah. you got uh, or only if you were selected as as one of the inductees? Either way, they call you. So you either get, I guess, you know, there's really not bad news. I mean, obviously you want to get in, but you're still a Hall of Fame finalist. So you either get the call 
or that, that they're saying yay or nay, essentially. So, so yeah, it just was, I mean, it was pretty brief. And then, you know, um, people from the hall of fame get to you and get your flight scheduled and all that stuff. So yeah, they call you either way though. So there's some people that have probably gotten the call a bunch of times that, you know, and then you wait till next year and kind of move on. But, um, I was fortunate. It was my, I guess it was my first and only call to the hall of fame. (laughs) So you say hello. And what do they say? Say, well, uh, so how you doing? How's your day? And then he said, well, I'm about to make your day a lot better. And then he did. That's great. <laughs> so he's like, well, glad you're, I said, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm hanging in and, you know, having a good day. I didn't really, at that point, I don't know him. So I didn't tell him anything about the fact that I'm <laughs> just getting over COVID, but he, yeah. So he said, well, I'm going to make your day a whole lot better. And he certainly did. Yeah. That's crazy. So you were alone. Your, your husband's at work. You're just uh, hanging out with, with hanging your- out at home in isolation up in, up in our, you know, up in my bedroom and dogs were home. So let them know got some good tail wags going and <laughs> called my mom. Cause I knew she was, she was painting her kitchen. So I knew she'd be available. And then I tried my dad, he was playing pickleball and then I tried Ben and he was in a meeting. So we got, you know, I called him later and, you know, we had a nice dinner and, and kind of celebrated that night a little bit. Um, so it was my last night out of isolation. So we six feet away <laughs> had a nice little dinner and, and celebration. And I, um, I don't know. I really thought about my, I thought about my grandparents a lot too. I mean, I thought about my family and my parents, but my grandparents, my two grandpas and my grandma who've passed away, who were so supportive and at, at every game they could, I still have my grandpa's lucky hat, my lucky gopher hat sitting on my desk right here. So in honor of my grandpa, Casey, we had lamb chops, which was Mm. one of the favorite foods of, of his and had some lamb chops and, uh, what else do we have? I think some asparagus, sweet potato, just a kind of your classic meal. And, um, and that was that. So it was, um, it was nice. Just in, and like I said, at that point we were, I was at the tail end. So um able to celebrate a little bit that night. So you think about, you know, all the stuff you've accomplished on the floor, uh, you know, as, as a player in, in both you know, really all high school youth, you know, up through college and what you did as a gopher and, and as a member in the WNBA. Um, did, did you get emotional when, when he, um, when he, when he made your day, so to speak, or did you contain yourself or you think about all the work you put in and this kind of the, you know, crowning achievement uh, in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, individual honor. Yeah, I, no, I, no, I didn't. I, I typically don't really get emotional. I, I never cried after a championship. I, I typically don't get too emotional when it comes to sports or, you know, basketball. I, I did cry my last game when we lost to UConn as a player because I knew it was over. Mm-hmm. That was hard. Not that we lost or, or anything, but it was just hard. Um, I got a little emotional at the, um, press conference that we had last week or that I, that I, I wanted to have because they asked what was, um, what was something that made you a hall of famer? You know, I kind of just talked about perseverance and then like not quitting, not giving up. And, and that's what it, everybody who else was in that class has that along with loving the game and just treating people around them the right way. Everybody in that class has that. But I think, you know, I don't think people understand as, as much, I, I don't know, like what it kind of took to just push through whether it's injuries or whether it's making sacrifices from playing overseas and not being, 
able to go to like family functions and weddings and things like that. So I think there's a lot of times of perseverance that the hall of fame wasn't necessarily my goal, but to be the best player I possibly could be was my goal. And I think that pushing through a lot of difficult times, I just, you have, you have to, and that's the only way that, that I know. And that's probably is the biggest reason I'm in the hall of fame talent. I mean, I was blessed with a really, um, you know, I'm not the fastest player, but I was, I'm really blessed with a great first step. I was blessed to be five, nine in, in shoes. So I had enough height. Uh, physically I could, I could defend well enough, you know, finishing the bat, finishing around the rim. I had that, that way I'm one of the best players ever, but I think just that I was definitely gifted, but, but mentally just pushing through different times. So I think the perseverance is what really sets away, sets apart Hall of Famers. What, uh, where do you think that came from? Where did you, where did you get that drive and that perseverance and that, that uh, competitive nature that you have uh, as a player? So Hutchinson, Minnesota, oldest of five. Uh, my dad worked at 3M. My dad worked shift work for 36, 37 years. My mom stayed at home when she could, but she also had to go back to work when there was ended up being five of us. <laughs> so my mom worked at my mom worked at a hospital in like medical records field. She worked at HTI, which is a huge company out in Hutch. She worked at 3M as well. And I don't know, they just they there's a few times I would want to go to I get all excited and want to go to camp, whether it was like Gusty basketball camp or Janet Carvin basketball camp or Clem Haskins basketball camp here. And I would get about halfway there and I would want to turn around and go home because I was nervous about, I'm not going to, I don't have any friends. And what if I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. what if I get beat? What if I get embarrassed? And they never let me, you know, now I would usually try to get some Burger King or McDonald's out of it after. (laughs) So I'd be like, if I go, can I have Burger King or can I have McDonald's if I go? And then I used, I always ended up having a great time and, and, and loved it. But so they made, you know, it was like, no, we signed up, we're doing this. And so, so I think just them, how they, how they raised us and that mentality. I mean, I didn't grow up in the cities and typically in whether it was AAU or whether, whether it was high school, that typically the teams in the cities were the better teams. And, you know, I felt like there were some really good outstate teams that were usually overlooked and I was on them. And so I also have always had that chip on my shoulder that, and then when I got to the U, U of M at that time, it's not UConn, Tennessee, Stanford, but I'm going to prove to you and push through and show that we can be that good. We can compete against those teams. And, and then it was in the WNBA was there's, you know, there's always some players that were better and I tried to improve as much as I could to show that I belong. So a lot of persevering and then just trying to prove people wrong. At what point did you realize and going to those camps and then competing against other people that you you mentioned that skill set, that quick first step, that tenacious defense in terms of, you know, keeping people in front and being physical and all of that. At what point did you realize, okay, this is, I I might be a little better than most people my age and I might be able to, you know, eventually, when did the colleges start calling and all of that stuff? Honestly, I knew my first game in fifth grade (laughs) because I think our team had 12 and I had eight of them. (laughs) And my first shot I ever made was from behind the backboard. 
Really? And yeah, I kind of took a little leaner on the right baseline and I just kind of floated it over the, and it wasn't all the way over, but it was kind of like, uh, I mean, the angle was, was pretty crazy that it went in. And so I remember kind of as that game went thinking, Oh, I, I'm making some shots that I'm probably the only one out here that can, that can make these shots. So honestly, from the first game I played, I felt pretty good. And then it was always halfway through my career, whether it was in high school, after my 10th grade year, we were 23 and two and we made it to the section finals, lost to a great Mankato, lost to a great Mankato team. Uh, Mankato East had a couple of really good players, but I felt like, okay, I think I can play college. And then when I got to the U after my sophomore year, I was a big 10 MVP and I was, you know, we went to the second round of the NCAA tournament. Then I was like, okay, WNBA. And then same thing, like halfway through my career in the WNBA, it was like, oh, I think, okay, national team, you know, national team. But it's just like, I put the time in to like work and to, to have those goals kind of become realities. So yeah, I would say sophomore years, you know, after that sophomore, you kind of take that step and, and then it, it all worked out. Yeah, it sure did, no doubt. All the way now to the Hall of Fame, which is coming up in September, Springfield, Massachusetts. You go in with a lot of big names, Tim Hardaway, uh, uh, Ginobili, Swin Cash as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, did you get to uh, rub some elbows with those folks down in New Orleans uh, when you were introduced, and uh, what was that like? Yeah, yeah, so the class is great. I'm thankful to go in with Swin and Teresa Grentz, all-time great. Uh, coached at Illinois, coached at Rutgers, um, played at Immaculata, one of the, maybe the first, like one of the first superstars of our game. Marianne Stanley was on that team as well. George Carl grew up watching his Sonic teams and uh, Bob Huggins loved his teams, whether um, it was at uh, Cincinnati back in the day or now West Virginia and Del Harris, Lakers, just a lot of people that you, that are, I grew up watching that were in that class and, Let's see. Bill Walton was at the dinner and he was around. So that was sweet. Got to talk to him a little bit. And coach Cal was there. Cal Pari got to talk to him. Um, Roy Williams was at the dinner and um, let's see. Clyde Drexler was at um, in our suite the next night at um, the men's at the men's final four. So yeah, some really, really cool people and, and just, yeah, Tim Hardaway. I told him during my first speech that I was in my backyard trying to perfect his, you know, I think it was the killer crossover back in the day that he had. So tried to perfect that. And Manu wasn't able to make it. He was, he's in Argentina. So he, they did all his stuff kind of remotely, I think with him. And that'll be a huge highlight. Cause I love those, those Spurs teams and what they were able to do. And so, yeah, just a great class and a lot of really cool people. Yeah, and and so it comes up in September. Um, what is the process? I, I, I've uh, you know I've watched the the, the uh, inductions before. In fact, I just today was thumbing through. You know how you can go down a rabbit hole, and somehow on on my feed, Allen Iverson's a piece of Allen Iverson's speech from a few years ago popped mm-hmm. up, where he was talking about how it was surreal the first time he went on the court, and Michael Jordan was he was going to play Jordan and the Bulls, and how it looked like he had a halo around him, and it just showed up. And so when you think about that, uh, your speech and different things, um, you know, you've got, I guess, some time to get it prepared. Uh, what uh, What's your game plan that way? Because, you know, hey, don't get too nervous, but the world's watching. 
Yeah. So they, they kind of said, what they say? Five to seven minutes. Cause it's a show. So they got to yeah. really have it pretty, you know, if somebody goes rogue, then that's going to like <laughs> hurt a bunch of other people in their time and stuff. So yeah, they, they kind of tired talking to us about that last. So two Saturdays ago now, when we were down there, kind of the guy who's pretty good with speech writing, they said they want you to have pretty much what you're going to say done by the 4th of July and then kind of some touch-ups here and there. So I haven't had any time to think about what I'm going to say. Honestly. <laughs> it's just been, a, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a wild couple of weeks. Let me just I'll tell you that. So um, I've had no time, but it'll come to me and, and we'll go from there. Yeah for sure gonna you know, I don't know because you kind of like you have a chance to really like make send a you know let's say send a message but leave a lasting impression and a message on to, to a lot of people on, on what you say and kind of who you can impact so for sure you're gonna thank everybody under the sun possible to help you get there but I don't know yeah I'd like to come up with some some kind of message um but it'll be I'll have a little bit of humor in there. I'll just tell you that for sure. No, because it, um, of course I won't be able to, I got to get everybody, I got to get everybody rolling. If I could make like Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley laugh, that'll be a huge life accomplishment of mine. Yeah. And, and a life full of accomplishments that might rank up there as, as one of the tops for sure. Uh, unquestionably. Um, do they do it uh, where someone gets to introduce you? Do you pick somebody? I know some halls of fame do that. And if so, do you know who you might pick? I think you have to have somebody from the hall introduce you. Gotcha. So I don't know. I think you have to have somebody that's like, um, what do they always say? I think a living member of the hall. So whew, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know who you, who you pick or where do you start? I mean, we'll, we'll see. I have to go through the list and really try to be intentional, yeah. you know, cause it's, yeah, because then you're, then you two, whoever it is, you two are cemented for life up there because you're the two that are on the stage for this whole time. So, yeah, it's going to be – that's a big decision. Well, I haven't you, really thought about that. And you think about what you've accomplished in your career. You mentioned the national team and uh, overseas career, WNBA, all of that. Um, it, it's cool that you're in a position that you can look at that list and you know people, that you that, that you wouldn't feel like, geez, well, would they, what would they think if I call them to introduce? I mean, you're there. You're, you're, you're one of those people that they'll be, yeah, right? I mean, that's pretty cool. Well, you said it, not me, Grimmer. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you know, you think about – I catch just one in and, and you think about, well, I've never met Alan Iverson, but he, you know, one of his, his speech is pretty good. KG. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll have to see it's, yeah, it will be. It's, it's, uh, and then it kind of becomes like, you know, of, um, you know, sisterhood, brotherhood type thing of, of who's all in and then you know, extra special with your classmates. So right. yeah, no, that'll be super, super special. And, I'll, I'll be picking wisely for sure. You mentioned that in, in part of the speech, whenever you decide, and there's time, obviously no pressure as you put this together um, and get input certainly from people that you want to have an impact with, with it. And I wonder how often you have uh, considered or thought about the impact that you've had on the game specifically here in Minnesota with what, what you did with the Gopher women and, you know, from probably how many people maybe in the first game you ever played 
at the pavilion, what no more than a thousand people, probably, right? And then by like the couple hundred, couple hundred, really. And then by the time you're done, you're selling the building out. Um, no yeah. more games at the Pav. Not that there was anything wrong with that, but you're you're getting oh, yeah. enough people to come there. And now you're seeing, um, you know, then you then you had the success, of course, with the links when you came back home and got that opportunity. And you're seeing young girls. Um, uh, that have uh, come out and, and have had success that have said, yeah, I grew up wearing a number 13 Lynx jersey or I had Lindsay's gopher poster up on my wall in my bedroom. And do you, I mean, how much do you think about that? And I suppose when you still go out and people want selfies or signing a hat or what have you, uh, the impact that you've had um, solely just you in terms of growing the game for young girls in Minnesota specific. It's, it's that's what it's all about is just making it better growing the game for the next generation. I have to think that the success we had when I was a player at the U and then with the links has a lot to do with the fact that we just hosted the final four. Mm -hmm. I, I, because, and look at the success, look at the players coming out of Minnesota and I'm, I'm thrilled to get in our, in this next class of 2022, I'm thrilled to get to coach um, four of them that are just tremendous young women and I'm excited. I can't wait to get the chance to coach them. So it's uh, yeah. I mean, you never know. That's why. And that's why I tell my players is I, I feel like I've, I've played the game the right way. And I, as I mentioned, perseverance, but I, I, I take a lot of pride in like leaving people, treating people like whether it's, you know, opponents or I mean obviously you're trying to win but right. like people who are at the at the game and score scorekeepers and and shot clock and you know people who are you know ushers you try to you want to treat people like the right way and and you don't ever want to get too big to where it's like oh you can't stop and take a picture or you can't stop and and sign an autograph I mean so I feel like I feel like doing that I think it's the teams that I've been fortunate to be on, we've been teams that have been galvanizing to the community. I really believe that way because we play the game the right way and then we treat people the right way. And so I think that that has a lot to do with the growth of our game. And a lot of people came before me and I've done a lot for our game. I, I, I recognize that a little more now. And, you know, I think it's, it's hopefully as a coach, we can continue to, to build a program that someday our the players who come through here are, you know, saying that, you know, about how they changed and they made not only the university a better place and this basketball program a better place, but their community. So yeah, it's something that is definitely really cool. And it's been a really fun aspect of my career. You mentioned the women's final four was, was here in town. Uh, unfortunately, because of the Hall of Fame part of it, you didn't get to see much of it, right? You were in New Orleans taking part uh, because they have that banquet with the men's final four as opposed to the women. So um, now I did go and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Some really good teams. Some you know, it's amazing too. Just the um, you know where women's basketball has come off, and I th I think about that that some of it's because of of the groundwork laid by you, and then others before you. I'm sure you had idols growing up, maybe 
they had to be men. I don't know at that point because of, you know, you mentioned that you, you followed some of those, whether it's Iverson or whoever. But the fact of the matter is, as you mentioned, uh, Minneapolis got to host. Um, did you hear uh, Gino uh, was asked about you and he talked about the Olympic experience? Did you hear that cut about uh, about that? And uh, what, what was it like playing for him and uh, and on a weekend where you were uh, told you were going to be in the Hall of Fame to, to hear him say those things about you? Yeah, I did. I heard, I heard it. Um, it was, um, you know, it was a cool video clip and, and, uh, yeah, I, you know, everything is down in new Orleans. And so the final four is happening here and I'm by myself with Ben, my husband in new Orleans and everything was happening here. And then, oh, and then our flight got canceled. So I got caught up in that, that kind of the cancellation it was cancellation city for a while. So we missed, we were supposed to come home for the game. We were supposed to come home for the final game. We're supposed to come home for UConn in South Carolina. And we were going to do a press conference and had a couple appearances lined up and go to the game and hang out. And then it just was like, well, you're stuck in New Orleans. Now there's worse places in the world to be stuck than New Orleans. So it was like, well, we're going to make the best. And a group of us that became friends over the weekend, we all had our flights canceled. So we ended up watching the women's game at a restaurant. But so I see this clip and and yeah, it's, I just wanted to be on the team. I mean, the Olympics, are you kidding me? Being in the national team. So there was, yeah, I definitely didn't bat an eye. I was like, can I, I'll give everybody's water. Can I please be on the team? And he, <laughs> he asked me like, so, so the Olympics are, are one thing, but my, the best, one of the best accomplishments I've had as a player was I made the 2010 world championships team which is now the world cup because they, they've kind of changed the branding of it to mimic more of like the world cup soccer, which is, you know, incredibly popular, but it's called the world championships back in the day. So you're in the pool. So there's every four years, there's a new pool of athletes that are going to make this, you know, world championships and then the Olympics. And it's every two years. So before making that team, he asked, he asked me like six times if I wanted to be on the team <laughs> first time he was like are you just here to hang out this weekend in washington dc be in a great city and eat great food and and hang out are you actually here to make the team and i'm like my heart dropped you know that he's a great one of the greatest motivators ever because he knew that would get to me and i'm like no i want to be on the team i want to be on this is like day three yeah i was like oh, i gotta show him now i gotta i'm gonna be on the team and then i did and did and did and i made like the first wave of cuts to go over to europe we played in spain and we played against um, the Australian national team. And by that point, um, a couple of players had joined that they had just played in the WNBA finals and things like that. So it was Diana Taurasi and Candice Dupree. And so he goes, he asked me before our first game against Australia, I'm going to start because Sue Bird was still in the finals. And he said, do you want to be on this team? And I said, yes, coach. Yes. And he's like, well, then you go out there today, be the starting point guard, with Diana Trossi and Kenneth Dupree and whoever else we had starting at that time, Tamika Catchings, and you show me you want to be on this team. <laughs> Go out, hit two threes right away, block a shot. I was the greatest. And then he asked me again. <laughs> <laughs> and again, no, I'm just kidding. But he asked me again. Then when he like sat me in this room and they told me when him and Carol, the director of USA Basketball, they told me, they said, and the cool, the cool thing about my story with that is, it wasn't supposed to be me. Like I earned my way on that team. It was supposed to be some other players who were kind of the next to the next Diana. And I had had a decent WNBA career at that point, been to two finals, hadn't won any championships yet. And 
made a few all-star games, was runner-up MVP in 2008. So I had some good years. Right. But, yeah, so it wasn't surprising when he when he said that. And you know that's his style. And then, real quick, do we have time for Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. So then in 2012, so then I make the 2012 team. So 2010, we win the gold medal in Czech Republic. And it's like, oh, man, I want a gold, I want a gold medal. No, it's not an Olympics, but we want a gold medal. And then, so then the next, we get to go to – to London and we're, we're playing, you know, we're, you know, progressing through, we get to the semifinals and we're struggling against Australia. We're really struggling. And his whole thing about me was always that I can't make outside shots, not a shooter. And which I wasn't, that wasn't a strength in my game, but I did enough else to be impactful on the national team, rebounded, physical, get to the basket, run the team, assist, all that. So we're tied or we're down, I think, one against Australia in the second half. I score six straight points, two jumpers, and we never look back. The lead is now ours. This is midway through the third. Diana was in foul trouble. <clears throat> so I hit two jumpers, and we win. And and that was kind of the one because, like, we, we were really confident we were going to beat France in the gold medal game. We just were deeper. But Australia was like, you know, they're just almost just as deep as us. I have great players comes up to me the next day at practice and he goes, see, I knew you could do it. <laughs> He's like, I knew you'd prove them all wrong. You should have been on this team. And I'm thinking like, you're, you're damn right. Yeah. And now here we go for a gold medal. But I was like, yeah, I know. He's like, so the same thing. Just put me on the team. Just put me on the team. I'll figure, I'll figure out what I need to do. And in that moment of dying in foul trouble and we needed to step up, I hit a couple big jumpers and, we never, we never lost the lead after that, after that point. And then uh, you won, that was in 12, you said, and then, and then you're back in 16, you win the gold. Is that London? Is that right? So when London, then Rio, Rio is 2016. Gotcha. London, then Rio. And 2016, I led us in scoring in the gold medal game. Now I was tied with Diana. We each had 17, but I'll always (laughs) be able to say, yeah, I led the, the Olympic team in scoring in a gold medal game. Pretty cool. What's it like um, when you stand up on the podium and the anthem's playing and the gold is hanging around your neck? Well, it's heavy, first of all. The metal is super heavy. It's heavier than people think. And you've got, it's, you just, so there's an outfit that everybody wears onto the gold medal stand. So you, and you're all sweaty. <laughs> so you go and change really quick into your your next outfit because Nike has put on this outfit for everybody to wear that gets on the gold medal. So it's actually pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, now you're, you know, and I don't, like I said, I don't really cry. Some of my teammates are crying and I just, you know, it's a, here goes the flag and your family's there somewhere. And it's just unbelievable feeling, but it's a little bit of just chaos because you're changing out quick. You're, you're just playing the game, get your gear on and then get up there and try not to screw it up. And, um, and I was always number four. So in, in international basketball, they go four through 13 or no, is there more than 13? I can't remember. It's 12 players, yeah. but I was always number four. So I'm the first one. And I'm like, just don't screw it up. You know, from getting introduced to, for just games to the gold medal, I just didn't want to like trip or drop something or screw it up. So I didn't. You didn't. No, no doubt about it. Well, man, it's it's so cool. Um, headed to the Hall of Fame, September 9th and tenth, Springfield, Massachusetts. Have you been to the Basketball Hall of Fame? Yes, yes, I have. Okay. I've been 
I've been several times. Yeah. So my first year in the WNBA, um, Connecticut, we went up and I think we had an exhibition game in Springfield and they took us through, or we had a practice up there or something like that. We got to go through. It was pretty cool. And now it's, it's much bigger. I was just there last year. I'm on the, um, selection committee for USA basketball three on three. Oh yeah. And so, yeah, I'm on a, yes, a three person committee. So last year, the, the tournament is actually the, the national, national championship of three on three is at the Springfield hall of fame. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And I'll be going, so I'll be going back this year in May as well to evaluate and, and help, help pick the different, different three on three teams that go and compete all the way up to the Olympics. But, um, you know, there's different things that are different competitions and sending teams and ages and things like that. So it's really, so, so I, that's been my biggest time I've been to be able to be there and it's for three straight days of watching a lot of hoops and it's, um, it's pretty cool. Very, very fortunate. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll talk more about the uh, induction ceremony as it approaches uh, in the fall. Um, if you still have a little time, uh, can we talk about the Gopher basketball team coming up? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned it's been busy, um, obviously, yeah. amongst your personal stuff, getting through COVID and then getting into the Hall of Fame. Um, and then, uh, you know, the roster turnover, which is, uh, man, you look around the Big Ten and it looks like, and really around the country, I guess I shouldn't single anybody out. Um, and and uh, And really all sports now. Um, athletes have been empowered, I guess, is the term I'd use to say, hey, I'm going to try something else if they feel like that's what they want to do. Um, so what's this been like uh, for you? You know, you have the great recruiting class coming in and then, you know, uh, you know, it seemed like there for two or three days in a row, a couple of your players decided they wanted to try playing elsewhere. What, what's, uh, what, what's that been like and how are you handling that? And now I suppose you're, you're diving in to try to go find players to, uh, uh, to take advantage of it on the other end. Yeah. So, so first of all, I think that the transfer portal is a good thing for our student athletes. If we, you know, if, if people feel like they want to have an opportunity elsewhere, we, we want them to be able to have that chance. The transfer portal also has completely changed this college basketball, college sports since I, I, I got here in 2018 and it, it was, a th- it was, there was transfers. I mean, there, we had people transfer from my team in the early two thousands, but I, th- but, but the transfer portal and NIL have completely ch- changed um, college sports. And in the last four, however many years since I've been the head coach and it's, it's, a, it's about adjusting and it's about adjusting. It's about understanding that. And I think the last time that us as coaches, we, you know, it's, I mean, obviously we have to, you want to keep everybody here. There's no question, but I think the less time we focus on kind of, um, you know, it being anything negative, we just, we have to just adjust. We have to adjust as coaches and we all have to continue to find ways to, to make, you know, you don't want to have people leave. You want, you want to go into a relationship with, with wanting to have, to be a part of their lives for these four years and then the rest of your life. So I think, that it's right now, it's just, it's a big thing. There's 1,200 or however many there are in just women's basketball. And so I think for us, it's okay. You know, here's how, here's how you have to, here's how you have to approach it. And we've had some players that have, that have left. And we also had five seniors graduate. And so, like you said, there's a big roster turnover. And, um, you know, I think that we just have, you have to then, 
okay, so we've had this many players leave. This is where we want to get the roster. And then you got to get working on the next group of, of transfer portal recruits that would come in next year. So, like I said, I think it's, it's, it's what it is. I think it's here to stay. And so I think we just continue to, to adjust and be, be nimble and continue to that. So this is our circumstance this year. And, you know, you, there'll probably be a little bit every year, um, you know, this many, we, we don't want to have this many and we, but at the same time that you want to have players and people who want to be here. And that's how you got to look at it, you know, because it's, it's been something that I think for like, since I kind of got in that at first it was the big thing was the waiver process because everybody just wants to play right away, you know? And I'm just talking from all women's basketball head coaches. I think that, I think the more that, that we continue to adjust and understand that it's here to stay, the the better off we'll all, we'll all be for it because it's, I don't see it changing. So we got to just keep, keep working and keep understanding that this is, this is part of it now. Do you think may, you may have a bit of an advantage in terms of adjusting quickly because you're a relatively new coach where somebody who may have been coaching for 20 years and was set in the ways might have a little more trouble adjusting to the new way, or maybe they've been coaching 20 years and successful because they've been adjusting all along. I don't know, but, um, it, you know, you're not necessarily, you know, you've, you're carving out your niche as a coach now, right? And maybe you yeah. haven't been ingrained. Is there, is there some benefit to, to, to that part of it? I think so. Yeah. Because there's, there's a lot of coaches that, that, yeah, that I think this is, you know, you get used to something, you get used to the rhythm of things for however many years and, and now it's, it's completely changed. So, so I think there is that. And listen, if you don't, you know, and you know, I've had a few health things as I mean, COVID, what are you going to do? Appendix kind of a freak thing, but mm-hmm. like, if you don't have the stamina, I mean, you got to have like some serious stamina because it's, because really, and it's just, even my, my first year, we, you know, you finish late in March and you kind of can take a little time. Now it's right to the portal. <laughs> for, right. for us as coaches, you know what I mean? So it's like, you got to kind of be able to kind of just keep going and keep going. And, and that's just, it's the reality, you know, it's the reality. And so it's why you got to have a great staff. It's why you got to have a lot of people, a lot of, you know, you know, kind of like all hands on deck type thing. And, and um, it's just, like I said, it's part of it. And so we don't want to have players, um, you know, transfer from here. Um, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's like, it's like the pick and roll. When somebody first invented the pick and roll, if you didn't figure out how to coach the pick and roll, <laughs> then you're going to be left behind. Same thing if you don't learn how to recruit the portal and you don't figure that out and how to, how to, for, for me, you know, a lot of areas I, I, I'm going to continue to, to look at uh, ways to improve um, with self-reflection and, and, and things like that, that if you, if you don't adjust to, to these times, then the same thing, you're going to kind of get left behind. So that's, that's the way I look at it. In this new age, so to speak. Um, and every coach I think has to deal with this now in terms of, they have a philosophy, they have a, you know, you, you have your, your ideas, right? You have become a hall of famer for a reason that said, how do you try to stay true to those philosophies and not let just that, threat of the transfer portal hang there and I'm just saying from human nature not you specifically just in general I could see how a coach would say I got to play her more otherwise she might transfer or I can't be as mean as I want to be to her or as demanding maybe how do you try to stay true to that and not let it impact how you want to set the culture and I know that word's used a lot but the tone of your program 
So I heard a great quote this weekend from one of the Hall of Fame coaches. And he said he feels like today's in today's game, it's about it's not about compromise, it's about commitment. And so how do we foster an environment here that is going to provide commitment, not compromise? That's mm-hmm. I think that's that's what you got to have. Because if everybody's committed and you figure out a way to get 10, 11, 12 people, plus your managers, plus your coaches committed to this is what we're doing and this is who we are to your team identity, then ever then then that's jack, then that's jackpot. Mm-hmm. When you compromise and you start to say, okay, I can't quite do this because I'm worried about that, then that's when you lose it. And you know, I'm by no means perfect, but that's one thing I took away from this weekend that that is an area that I'm going to like. I'm like, that is perfect. So I'm going to just, that is what I'm going to work on and foster for this, for this group of, we have, you know, and looking around the country, there's a lot of teams that are in, in the boat trying to fill, fill their roster. We're at seven right now. Goal is to get to, you know, I'm not going to necessarily, I'm not going to like say, okay, 12. And then we're, we wouldn't take anybody else because if somebody's great comes along, you know, you want to fill your roster with great players. But however the number is, that's what we're going to be about. And I, I, I feel so strongly in that. And like I said, I have not been perfect um, by by any stretch. None of us are. But I know that I feel really strongly that that is going to work. And just continuing to foster an environment for that. Um, just commit. You know, just commitment. on This is what we do at the defensive end. This is what we do at the offensive end. This is what we do in the classroom. This is what we do when we're in the community. This is who we are when we're in the locker room. This is who we are when we're in the training room, on the court, back at the apartments. Commit to that. And we already have, we have our gold standard where we're great teammates. We outwork our opponents. We're leaders in the community and we're disciplined in everything we do. We just have to continue to make sure that it's just, you know, that commitment piece and not compromising any of it. And now it has become a situation too where you're recruiting um, athletes that you want to fit your style, that goal that, that you feel can commit, right, to that gold standard and be committed. But then yep. all of a sudden, you know, something this happens, something that happens, and a player might approach you and say, hey, I'm thinking about entering the transfer portal. At what point is it, okay, I need to either re-recruit this athlete or oh, she's not committed. Um, she's just, okay, good luck. Um, you know, m- move along. And and I suppose it depends uh, to an individual circumstance. But, I mean, coaches right now are dealing with stuff that has never had to been dealt with before. And I think mm-hmm. of P.J. Mm-hmm. P.J.'s got 100 guys he's got to maybe re-recruit every single year. I guess in one sense with basketball, you're, like, you know, you're working 10 to 13, uh, plus, you know, the high schoolers who are 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th graders. But, um, man, it's crazy what college coaches are having to uh, figure out right now learning on the fly just how this all works. Yeah, so that's why I say the the adjustment and then being nimble. So we so we've we've done, gone with that same approach at the end of the season. Our end of the season meeting is is it's, and it's not. I wouldn't necessarily know. If, you know, I would say re recruiting. But here's the plan. Mm-hmm. Here's the plan for here's here's on the, here's the roster. Here's the depth chart. Here's here's where we want to get better from from the previous year, and here's where we see your role continuing to expand. And so so yeah, we had. I mean, we had five. Cause at that point we'd already had a few before the WNIT, we already had a few transfer before that. And, and so, yeah, I, I just think 
that it's that's that's what it that's what you that's what you have to do because you know and everybody wants to know the plan everybody not wants to know you know what the deal is and so we just continue to do that and like you said pj however however many <laughs> but it's 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 what it is and so so we you know we had five five graduate and we you know it's different when you you graduate you kind of um you know everybody kind of moves on um to the next thing but uh yeah it's 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 part of it like you said You've got this great recruiting class. I've seen it ranked anywhere from, I think, ninth to 15th, somewhere in there, depending on who is following it. Four kids, all from Minnesota. Uh, can you take us through? I know one of your uh, uh, future golfers just won Miss Basketball in Minnesota yep. here this week. Um, take us through that foursome and tell us a little bit about each one of them, what we can look forward to seeing. So we can start with Amaya, who just won Miss Basketball, and just uh, talk about a, a wonderful achievement for a for a young woman and um, a young man with, with Miss Basketball. I know both on both sides are coming to the U here. So she's uh, just she's great, great person. Got a lot of personality on the court. She's a big guard. She's 5'10", 5'11", rebounds, um, gets to the mid-range, get to the basket. Great length. I, I lo- What I really love about the class as a whole is they have, all have great length. So we should be able to have them all – play some multiple positions and um, you know, next guard, Mara Braun, great score can shoot um, has great range is, is she's a winner. She's a winner. And um, she's somebody who again is five ten, super competitive can post up mismatches a little bit. So, so she's um, just a really, really dynamic player. Nia Holloway is uh, defending state high jump champion (laughs) and is just, uh, you know, she just continues to get better and better and better. She continues to work on her game. She's uh, six foot forward, got great length plays played at the top and even Prairie played the top of her press um, for her high school team. Great length, tenacious, saw her guard six, eight players this summer out recruiting. And um, she just is, is someone she's got a great personality. They all do. Um, you know, and then, and then Mallory. So we have two state champions on the, out of the four, uh, Mallory won her junior year and then Amaya wins her senior year. So these guys know how to win. And Mallory is one of the best running the floor post players is, uh, you know, can play four and fives worked on her perimeter game. And she is somebody who is, um, her work ethic is, is tireless. So all four then as a group, you know, two guards, two posts, um, along with the other three, with the the three freshmen, with um, with Katie, with Maggie, and with Rose. Uh, you know, we've got seven players who have some really bright futures for the program, and then and then of course whoever else we add in uh, through the transfers this year will be the roster. But there's no question it's it's the highest recruited recruited um, class in in program history. Um, you know, men or women, and and so it's, it's something that's they're very exciting, uh, very exciting players, all from Minnesota. And um, it's credit to our staff for putting in the work and credit to, to them as well for building relationships, talking about the, the four of them and wanting to stay home and, and represent their state. So it's, um, it's going to be fun. And uh, I can't wait for you all to watch them play. Yeah, I can't wait either. I'm looking forward to it as well. And that, you know, hopefully starts that trend of, of players who are high level uh, staying and playing at the barn, which is great. Yep. 
Um, now, I know the transfer portal, I think I read that if players want to be eligible, they need to enter by May 1st. So we're just a couple weeks here. You'll have this pool of players and maybe I'm sure, I mean, uh, I'm sure as soon as we're off with uh, the podcast, you'll probably be on some Zoom call somewhere. If you could major, uh, wave a magic wand, what uh, what uh, areas would you like to, uh, to uh, get accomplished in the transfer portal uh, heading, you know, as, as we come up here in the next few weeks and then uh, setting the roster for the summer? Yeah, we need a few at each position. We need a few. You just say perimeter, and let's just say perimeter, and then interior. We need and and whether it's four or five, we need a couple at each at each spot. We need to fill out some of our guard depth as well as our interior. So so yeah, I'm thinking two to three. Got to be you know it's got to be the right fit. It's got to be the right fit with 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 our team and and like you know personalities wise personality wise. I, I say the same, you know, gold standard values, you know, speech, let's, you know, talk to everybody. So everybody knows that that's, that's what our program is about before we even get into to X's and O's and style of play and skill development and, you know, facilities and housing and all those things. It's just, it's gotta be the right fit that way. And so, uh, yeah. So I, I think that no question, we need a few at each position, but then they've got to fit that. And that's, and that's the culture piece that everybody, that everybody talks about and, like I said, that's going to be my my thing moving forward is that commitment, um, commitment over compromise. So we got to continue to hone in on on young women that that fill all those all those roles on our team. Last couple for you. I've already kept you longer than I than I promised, but we appreciate it. You're you're always so interesting, and I know Gopher fans love to to hear um, your your thoughts on everything. Now that you're a coach, I, I've 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 wanted to ask you this since you've taken over, but now you've got a, a few years under your belt. Have you now a greater appreciation? Um, looking back at what your coaches, you know, I'm sure as players, right? Everyone, well, why did they do this? Why did he do this? Whether it's, you know, whether it was um, all the way back to Brenda Freeze or or Pam Borton or uh, Coach Tebow or uh, Cheryl Reeve, all the, you know, Gino and the Olympics and how they handled things. Do you have a different appreciation now being on this side of it when you looked back and thought, what in the world are they doing here? Why would why would this coach do this? <laughs> well, I the biggest thing I appreciate is I think that they they saw more in me than I saw in myself at that time. And they all were willing to really push me. And from Gino through, through all my coaches here at the U of M, they really saw, they saw potential and they saw a lot of me and they were, they, they put that time and effort and, and energy into developing me. So, you know, whether it was Cheryl wanting me to, you know, average 14 points a game when I thought I was just coming in to be the assist assist player on the team with Maya and Simone or Gino asking me, you know, 200 times if I was wanted to be on the team, if I truly wanted to be on the team, whether it was coach Tebow really having me focus on like truly being a pro as far as uh, diet and things like that and, and rest and nutrition, whether it was Pam who challenged me defensively to commit to the defensive end of the floor, knew I could score, knew I could shoot, but, but how much could she, you know, get me defensively to be able to commit and, um, you know, the, my first two was so, it was so long ago, my freshman, sophomore year, but they gave him the opportunity. Right. I'll look back to coach little John. She gave him the opportunity to come here and then, um, you know, and then Brenda as well. Uh, so yeah, I think just the biggest carry what takeaway I have is they were able to see something in me that at times I didn't see in myself, which is pretty powerful. That's why all of them are just tremendous at what they've done. And it's been really fun to then be a part of 
part of their story and part of what they've accomplished and the players that they've coached. Do you take a little piece of each of them uh, with you to the bench and to practice every day then in terms of trying to do the same with, uh, with your players? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I do. Uh, you know, I take, I take a lot of mostly from, mostly from Cheryl and Gino because they were the well, my most recent coaches mm-hmm. and, and there's no question they're extremely successful and look at what they've done. But, but yeah, the, I mean, in drills, drills that you do drills that you work on, there's no question. I've, I've taken a lot away from, from them and, and, and yeah, I just continue to as well, continue to hear what, hear what they say and, you know, hear speeches and what they, how they go about things. I mean, Don Staley, somebody I played against and she was an assistant coach on the, on our last Olympic team. So She's somebody who, yeah, no doubt is somebody who you, you continue to, um, you know, try to emulate because look what she's doing. So, so yeah, I think you take a little bit away from everybody. Um, I think I remember this right. The gymnasium in Hutchinson is, is, has got your name on it now, right? Yeah. Yep. How yep. I mean, you think about all the different honors, whether it's gold medals or now the Hall of Fame and different things. I don't know if there could be a better honor than uh, having a high school that you went to and poured your heart into uh, that your name's on that every time you walk in to watch the Tigers, right? Yeah. Wayland, Wayland Gymnasium. Doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, but uh, <laughs> Wayland Gymnasium. It's kind of yeah. a tough one. But no, it's um, it's pretty cool. It's, uh, yeah, when they, they redid the school three, four years ago, they – approached me about it and yeah, just crazy. <laughs> you know, it's um, just really, really cool. And hopefully some more, hopefully some players better than me go through there and they make their, their mark on whether it's Hutch or, you know, different, you know, sports at different schools and maybe pros, you never know. So, you know, ultimately I feel like too, the thing that's so cool is like the gym is out such a safe space. It's, it's a safe space. It's, you know, people getting better, whether it's, whether it's basketball, whether it's volleyball or wrestling or, or whatever is going on. It's just, you get to gym, you get to play sports, you get to be with your friends and it's a safe space to, to be a part of something. You know, I think sometimes is it's a big thing now with our phones and we get isolated, you know, it's just still fun to go to the gym and be a part of something. So the fact that my name is after that. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. On that note, I've I think I've kept you twenty five minutes longer than I said. But man, this will <laughs> uh, everyone's going to want to listen. So it's great. We appreciate it yeah. so much. Uh, thank yeah. you. Congratulations yeah. on uh, on the Hall of Fame and uh, good luck. Is this ne- I know this next few weeks is going to be awfully busy for you here as you get yeah. your summer roster set and can't wait to. Uh, I mean, we don't want to rush life at my age. I don't want to rush life, but I I, I am eager to uh, to watch uh, go for basketball here in the fall. But let's enjoy the summer first. Sounds good. Sounds like a great plan. Thank you so much. Thanks, Coach. Yep. How about that? There she is, the Hall of Famer, Lindsey Whalen. I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed doing the interview. The Go Gopher podcast is presented by Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're buying or selling a business, visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. We're also sponsored by State Farm agent Tony Hoagland. Brandon Morton is our producer and technical expert. And again, I'd invite you to listen to past podcasts and please be sure to subscribe to the Go Gopher podcast right now. It's absolutely free to listen. We'll talk again next week.